Wow. Greetings, crew. Um, right off the bat, where are our birthday ladies? Was it Noel and Malin or Raylan? Malin. We have a birthday gift to you both from Wildwood. Where are you? Ladies? 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 It's flying in the air. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Uh, January, okay, I'll get you Glenn in January. You got to come back to camp. Um, I am not here alone representing the Weaver family. No, no. I am joined by my wife, Joyce. You have to come on up real quick, real quick. Yeah, up to the front. I don't get to do this very often. This is my wife, Joyce Weaver. I know she's beautiful and wonderful. And um, pretty soon, or as of right now, we are a family of three that is growing because there's a baby inside of this womb. Woo! Let's go. Hi, I love her. I love you too. Um, she's amazing. First kiddo, first kiddo growing in the side of this womb. That's unbelievable. That womb, nothing going on here. That womb. <laughs> Woo! Make that clear. Um, and so, but think about this. We, we were just singing some great songs. We're going we're gonna to talk about what we're doing this week. We're going to talk about specifically tonight. But just think about the songs we were singing. I think that one of the first songs, the lines, God has done great things. Did you know that at one point, every single one of you were inside of a womb? You weren't wearing hats at that time. You weren't wearing shoes at that time. You didn't have any cool bling on your neck. But you were being knit together in your mother's womb. God did that. It's crazy. So just talk about great things that he's done. He's brought you out of a womb. He's helped you and taught you with parents and friends help how to walk. Turns out you've been breathing ever since you were born. Praise the Lord. And how many good deep breaths did you have today of fresh mountain air? Let's take another one together. God's done great things, and that's just preserving your life. Have, did you look outside at the lake today? Yes. My goodness. Let's give some snaps to God for making the mountain. I guess some men made the lake, but God made those men who made the lake. Man-made lake. So God's done great things. God's done great things. And then we kept singing, and I just need all your attention. I'm so jealous for attention. So there will be wonderful time for you to talk in your cabins later. Now is not that time. And then, I, just one more request. Can we get all the lights on? I love mood lighting, but this is not the time. We've got to make sure everyone can see their Bibles in the back. Um, and then we were singing, oh, check this out. Taking comfort in the cross. Do you remember what the cross is, by the way? It's like the preeminent torture device that mankind has made up. It's like the most agonizing way to kill someone. And there's a way that we can take comfort in the cross. What is going on there? The hope of heaven is the love of God that we were just singing about. Guys, we got to know right off the bat, even just thinking about the wonderful thing it is that God has provided life for us, knit us together in our mother's wombs, our life is pretty fickle. Our life can go out very quickly. All it takes is a car traveling at 
not even that fast a speed. All it takes is an illness to go into our bodies. All it takes is a piece of food not chewed thoroughly enough getting lodged in our throat. Our life is very delicate. And so I just want to acknowledge with you all that our God has done great things in preserving our lives to bring us here tonight. So I don't know what you came up here with the intention to do. What was your motive for coming up here? Maybe some of you are just like, I'm just obeying my parents or I just have to do this. Maybe some of you have motives of this is the place where I'm going to get in that special relationship with that special someone. I know it. I know it. Maybe you have some motives of, I want to cause some havoc this week. I want to start things on fire. I hope not. We have an amazing team that is here planning and preparing some wonderful things for you. Please don't start anything on fire in the midst of that. Um, But can we just give a round of applause to this uh, SE Spiritual Emphasis team for putting it together? An amazing camp. I'm excited for what we got in store this week. And then we just got to say, this was Jacob on the keys. This was Sarah on guitar and voice. This was Jeremy on the bass. And then Isaac was playing the drums. Can we give a round of applause to our Trove worship band? And if you had any thoughts at all that your parents are lame, here's like a hopeful, cool example. Isaac and Jeremy, father, son, father, son. Look at that, father-son duo in the band. Maybe there's some cool things that you can do with your parents. Well, hey, um, here's our trajectory for this week. This is a short week of camp. Um, We've been doing this series, what we're going to teach through and talk through together um, this whole summer over at Wildwood. Has anyone been to Wildwood, by the way? Nice. Jordan Jarbo. Good, good. Me too. Um, You have it much nicer. Up there, we're sleeping in tents. And every single one of these sessions like this, we're sitting outside around a bonfire under the stars. So maybe some point during this time, you can sit at a bonfire. Um, But what would normally unify us up at Wildwood is a good thick layer of dust that's coating our entire bodies. So just know that you're, you're getting the luxurious treatment up here at Hume, and it's amazing. So you can be thankful for that. But this whole summer, we were focusing on this theme of compelled. The love of Christ controls us. And here's just our trajectory forward. Tomorrow, Tuesday, we got two sessions. If you didn't know, we have a morning and an evening session. All tomorrow, we're going to talk about what God has done for us. God has established the gospel good news of Jesus Christ, and this is what gives us the hope now during our life, even though we know our death, our end, this side of eternity on earth, is coming. But what our God has established gives us the hope and the confidence to live life now well. And then tomorrow night, not only does he secure and save our life, he actually transforms our life. Turns out, even though we're cute little babies being knit together in our mother's wombs, we're jacked up, broken people from the get-go. Every single one of us. It didn't just start when you said your first naughty word. It was instant. When you were born. I know. So tomorrow is all what God has done, establishing the gospel, transforming us. And then Wednesday, this compelled, now what? With the life that God has saved us from and now saved us to, how are we to live? So the hope 
is that by the end of this week, you could be able to say confidently for yourself, I believe God is compelling me to something. So we're going to hear from God through this. Does anyone here not have a Bible? Because we have Bibles that we have to give to you. If anyone doesn't have a Bible, please raise your hand. An SE staff will come and bring a Bible to you. Keep those hands raised. We're going to open up this word because these are the words of God. These are the words of life. These are the words of truth. In this world, you will hear so many people claim this is important or you should listen to this. But guys, just want to let you know that every single word in this book can be trusted and can be believed because it's coming from the author of life. He is truth. There is no falsehood in him. So these aren't Jordan's words. These aren't Hume Lake Christian Camp's words. These are the words of God. And this is where we can find all hope, all comfort, all encouragement. We still got a few more. I think I can, okay, here we go. Keep those hands up, thank you. Great patience, great patience, it's worth it. So I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna start diving in with just one little chunk tonight and then we'll be able to send you out into some free time and then always we're gonna be going to cabin conversation whether it's right away or after a little bit. So in the midst of these times of opening up God's word together, be thinking. God's word doesn't return void. It means it does stuff when it is read aloud, when we think about it. It turns out God, Holy Spirit's also doing stuff in your heart and mind. So I just encourage you, this is the time to engage. I'm going to talk a little bit more about why. But let me pray, and then we're going to be opening up to 2 Corinthians 5. Turns out Bibles have little indexes in the front. If you don't know where that is, you can open it up and it'll tell you the exact page 2 Corinthians is. And then they go by chapters. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. 2 Corinthians 5 is where we're going to be. Hey, let me pray for us and then we'll open up God's word together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. Lord, you are a God who's done great things, even just thinking about every single life that's here. Lord, every single breath that each one of us has taken for all the years of our life. Lord, you've sustained and you've provided that breath. You've sustained and you've provided every single heartbeat. And God, we just know that you are the author and giver of life, and for that, we just thank you. Those are just a few of the great things that you've done in our lives. But Lord, as we gather here today, this week of camp, Lord, you have a reason for every single person being up here. Lord, would you help us to understand why it is that you have us here? For each one of these students, as they are in the midst of their lives in a crazy world, Lord, as we have lives that are full of highs and lows, joys and woes, good times and bad times, so Lord, I just pray that even in the students right now who are experiencing or have experienced some fresh hurts, walking through a tough season, I pray, Lord, that your words, as they do, would bring comfort and that you would just guide us, Lord, into the life that you offer us. Thank you, Lord, that we have hope 
in you. And thank you that we can even have hope in the midst of something like a cross, a torture instrument, because of how you engaged with it and how you used it. So Lord, help us. I pray for our eyes. Would you help us to see? I pray for our ears. Would you help us to hear? And I pray for our hearts. In the midst of the hardness that can so easily form, Lord, I pray and ask, as your word promises, that your word will pierce sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, would you soften our hearts and allow your word to pierce us. So come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Move and flow and do a work and establish good here and now. We pray and ask all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Please open 2 Corinthians 5. These are the words of God, but God used human authors to write them down, which is just kind of crazy. He used human authors inspired by the Holy Spirit to write perfect words. I wish I had God's help for all of the essays and papers that I've written. My papers definitely were not perfect. No, no, no. But we can trust these words are. So we're just going to read the first 10 verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tonight. This is our focus for this week, is this chapter. If you, any one of you in here, memorize 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 11 to the end of the chapter, I'll give you an analogy. All you have to do is recite that part of the chapter to your leader. Your leader will come to me. I'll give them an analogy. They'll give you an analogy, just like our awesome birthday ladies received today. If you also memorize um, Isaiah 53, you can do either or. This is a chapter that you're going to read during solo quiet time tomorrow. If you memorize Isaiah 53, that's 14 verses. Nalgene. All I have to do is recite it to your leader. I'll give them a Nalgene. They'll give you the Nalgene. Do we understand? That's a memorization challenge I've just extended to you, whether you choose to accept it or not. Okay, here we go. 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 1. We're just going 1 through 10 for tonight. Words of Paul. He says this, For we know... That if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Pause. What in the world is he talking about? Let me just help you, help us understand what's going on. He's talking about a tent that is our earthly home. Turns out he's using imagery, an illustration, the tent is our physical bodies that every single one of us are in and occupying right now. This is our tent. Now here's some interactive time. What do you think of, or what adjectives do you think of when you think of the word tent? Camping, flimsy, love that one. Uncomfortable, good. Hot. Shelter, absolutely. Pathetic, temporary. Okay, just think about this. And then let's think about that other thing that he says. He compared it and contrasted it to a building from God. Can we agree that a tent and a building are a little different? Yeah, maybe. So apply that to what we just connected. Our bodies here and now, flimsy, temporary. We were talking about earlier, fickle, uncomfortable. Has anyone, did anyone stub their toe today? I was walking across that lawn wearing some yellow Crocs. I know, bold fashion choice. I know. 
And it was, apparently, a yellow jacket went inside the crock and stung the top of my foot because it got pinned up against the rubberness of the crock. Ouch! I was immediately filled with pain, and now my foot is a little bloated, and I've been rubbing Benadryl on it. This is a flimsy, fickle, and currently left foot pain-filled body. But that's all of our bodies. None of us are indestructible in these bodies. And what is Paul saying? For we know that if, that our, if the tent, that is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God. What Paul is doing is he's lifting up his eyes and he's looking to heaven. What is that? He's looking to eternity with God. There's a lot that's already been said in this chapter. There's a lot that's already been going on in Paul's life, but he is one who believes fully in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And guys, let me just tell you, that's giving him hope to be confident even in the midst of thinking about the destruction that will take place to his body, his death. He has confidence in where he's going. First question off the bat, do you guys have that? Could you say to death in the face, I've got confidence. I know where I'm going. That's a part of what we're going to be talking about this week. Okay, I won't talk that long after every single verse. But we're going to be talking about tents, buildings. That's our body now before destruction. And then heavenly building is kind of body post-resurrection. Cool word. We'll talk more. Verse 2. For in this tent we groan longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So now he's brought in another image. We either have tent, that's all of us, in tent currently. Heavenly building. That is after death, after resurrection into our new body, that's heavenly building. But then he just said a scandalous word, naked. <gasps> we all said, <gasps> one, two, three. <gasps> there you go. What does that mean? That is our state after death before resurrection. So God's given a unique timeline of our trajectory. If we are in Christ, there's a unique kind of limbo in a sense of before he returns and every single believer is resurrected into our permanent forever bodies, imperishable undefiled, that's that heavenly building, there's going to be a time where we're bodiless. Our tent of a body will be decaying in the ground or will have been cremated or whatever. Our soul will continue until our God returns and we're brought together in our resurrected body. So he's saying, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. We want to go from being tent livers to building dwellers. Imperishable, safe, forever. 
so that what is mortal, fickle, able to die would be entered into life that never ends. Doesn't that sound good? So this is what Paul is saying. This is actually what God has prepared us for when we believe in him, that we can be confident even though this tent's going to fade away, we have a building that will last forever that our God will establish for us. So this is what he says. Even though he's talking about death, look at verse 6. He says, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body now in the tent, we are away from the Lord. We're not with him yet. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We have not experienced the perfect bodies, that building. But we will. He says again, verse 8, Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. He's saying that no matter where we are, are. Our aim is to please God. Why is he saying that? Because he knows that if he is in Christ, if he knows Jesus Christ and his life has been rescued from spiritual death, brought into spiritual life, that he knows where he's headed. He's headed to an eternal building to be with God, and that will last forever. So think about it. If you know your destination, Let's say you're on a plane ride to Hawaii. Hawaii's a neat place. It's no heaven, but it is a paradise here on earth. Would you be willing to be uncomfortable in a five-hour flight if you knew it meant landing in Hawaii for a week or two vacation? I think most of us would say yes. It's worth it to experience that discomfort for a while, knowing that there's something better up ahead. This is the kind of confidence and encouragement that Paul has, even though knowing that there's an uncomfortable five-hour plane ride that even leads to death, now life language, tent life, uncomfortable, it's even going to end in death, but we know that there's something even better across the finish line. If we know that that's there, then we can be of good courage and have confidence even now when we're living here, even in the midst of the pain, even in the midst of the hardship. So if we know where our home is, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. And then listen to this, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Guys, there will be a final judgment day. It says the Lamb's book of life will be opened up. And if we have been found in Christ, and we're going to talk more about this, we will be brought into that perfect, everlasting, heavenly building like life with our God. If our name is not found in that Lamb's book of life, there is an eternity of separation from God. But this is an even different judgment. This is a judgment for all those found in Christ. There's even an evaluation of those, us, 
being found in Christ, how have we lived our lives? Not that there would be punishment, but there is a desire for a reward to be extended for those who have served God. I want to make it so clear. I am not talking about a works-based salvation. Salvation is through faith alone, by the grace of God alone. But because we've received that, there's then a courage and a confidence for us to live a certain kind of life. And we're going to talk about, for the rest of this week, looking at one of those last verses that the love of God compels us or controls us. So how do we, even though we can see death approaching and even seeing death around us and friends, family, How can we take courage knowing that there is life, confident, established life forevermore to be found in God? And how can we cling to that and then live our lives out of that? I don't think there's anything more important than what we could be talking about this week than a chapter like this. We're going to be talking about life and death. Maybe this is waking you up. Maybe this is a slap in the face. Whoa, I thought this was going to be a fun week at camp. I think it's still going to be that. But I think God may have more in store for each one of you than what you anticipated. So guys, we're not home. Maybe that's very clear to you. You'd probably be in bed or playing video games or whatever it is at this point. You're not home this week. Just think about that. We're not home this side of eternity. This world would have us believe that now is the home, now is the time that we should treat ourselves, that we should do everything to make our lives as pleasant and pleasurable and pursue any and every satisfaction and get as much of it as you possibly can. No. We believe the fullest life is yet to come. So how does that influence how we live this life now? We're not home, but there's going to be a homecoming. We will be called home, whether that's our death or the return of Jesus Christ, and we're going to have to face him. Let me just tell you, every single one of us, we can't stand before a holy God on our own because we're those messed up kiddos even from birth, remember? So, but there's hope. There's hope in the cross. Because what we can't do, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, can and did. So tomorrow, and you can get a sneak peek on this if you want to read the rest of 2 Corinthians 5, we're going to be talking about the gospel good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe this is something that you've heard, maybe you think a thousand times. But let me just tell you, this is the news that only keeps getting better and better and better. Because turns out, you and I, we are always in need of grace. We're always in need of mercy and the love of God. Because of this gospel good news, not only have we received it once and for all, but our God continues to dish it out to us every single time that we're in need. So, Be not dismayed, even though you might be thinking about, golly, this guy just said death a whole bunch of times. But it's when we think about our life, being aware of our death, 
that we start to then live for what is truly important. And guys, I propose to you for your consideration that living for our God, the one who provides and establishes life that will never end, even when we die this side of eternity, that that is the most important thing that we can be living for. Hey, I'm gonna pray for us. I think we're gonna sing one more song, then we'll receive some instructions. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we look to you. Lord, we're sobered just with the reality of <laughs> that there is death, Lord, in this world and that we are even bound for death because our bodies are fickle and weak and they don't last forever. But Lord, we thank you that you're a God who even redeems and uses and has defeated death so that like we hear with Paul, that he can even think about his death this side of eternity and he can still have good courage knowing that there's only further establishing of life that's to come. Lord, I pray and ask that this week that you would give each and every one of us, maybe for the first time, a confidence, a faith, and a belief that, Lord, there is life after death only found in you. And Lord, would that grow in each one of us a confidence and an assurance and a faith that you, God, are the one who secures life forevermore. And so how can we live for you in the midst of this fickle, tent-like, flimsy life? Lord, I pray that you would use this week to prepare us to not only be ones who have been saved, redeemed, rescued, but to be ones who can go forth and be a part of that saving, redeeming, and rescue effort that you still have active and ongoing today in our world. So Lord, I pray that as we have fun this week, as we go on ropes courses, as we have conversations, as we have milkshakes and eat fries, looking at the beauty of your creation, that we wouldn't be so distracted by the good things that we miss you, the giver of every good gift. So Lord, I just thank you for this school. Thank you for this remarkable thing that they get to do of going on a camp-like retreat together before the school year. I pray that you would knit this crew together, that this would be a unified body, even though in four houses, Lord, would you bring peace amongst the houses of Beacon Hill. <laughs> and Lord, I just pray that new relationships would be formed and even reconciliation that needs to take place would take place. So Lord, we thank you. We look to you. We thank you. Would you help us to follow you and walk by faith into even this week, every single student here? We pray by faith, Lord, that you would just establish so much good here. Pray and ask these things, Lord, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we all said, amen. amen.